Brilliant. Thank you very much. I, I got a little round of applause uh, in the hall. It was lovely, very encouraging. It's good to, uh, good to be with you again. Uh, the period of rest that uh, I kind of felt I needed and asked for is, is coming to an end, and it's a, a pleasure to be able to share God's Word with you again this morning. Um, I, uh, you may remember I, I kind of said I, I'd become quite tired and was feeling quite low, and I felt like I needed a rest. And one of the things I asked to step back from uh, was preaching, uh, because you invest a lot as you prepare and you invest a lot as you deliver uh, and, and, and I, I, I didn't feel totally able to do that in September but I'm feeling much better now. I really want to thank uh, the eldership team, the staff team for uh, supporting me and bearing with me uh, as, as I've kind of um, not been uh, as productive uh, as I normally would be, as I've let admin slip and uh, all sorts of things. Uh, so. Thank you so much, and thank you also to those of you who have prayed for me. Lots of you have fed back that you've been praying for me, particularly those of you who attend the 5 p.m. prayer meeting. So thank you so much. Um, it's been great in the last couple of months, though, to, to just do those things which uh, give me joy. Uh, and so it's been great to be able to spend time with some of you. It's been great to be able to spend time uh, with God in his word and in prayer. Um, and as I say, I've let some of those things that don't give me joy slide. So my admin uh, is out of the window. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting back on top of that. But before I start today's message on the book of Romans, uh, I want to just take this opportunity as I'm speaking to you again for the first time since the start of November uh, when I announced that we're exploring becoming one church with Beulah Family Church to just respond to some of the feedback uh, that I've received. Um, because uh, I haven't had much opportunity to talk to you. I've, I've failed in the last month to arrange that Zoom call that I promised you we would do, and it's still on my heart to do so, and I know that you need more opportunities to talk about it, to pray about it, and to, and to do that uh, corporately. So that, that will all be coming soon. But I just wanted to, to address three things, because these three things have come back to me more than anything else, really. And the first thing is that uh, there's a sense that the, uh, the, the, the statement that, that this isn't a done deal, that we're just exploring, is, is disingenuous. The, the, the fact that I've said that, you know, I've felt God say that, that Joseph and I are going to work together and that I'm going to serve him, and therefore it must already be a done deal. I want to assure you that isn't the case. I've got, um, I've got a bit of a tightrope to walk as a church leader where I need to be bold in, in sharing with you what I think God has, God has said and where I think that he's leading us, uh, but I am equally open to the possibility that there may be obstacles and barriers that, that we don't overcome in this exploration, and that, and that what for me is the hoped-for end uh, of this exploration may not happen. There have been times in my life where I have been absolutely certain that God has spoken, uh, and it hasn't worked out the way that, uh, that I have hoped or thought that it would. So, uh, genuinely, it's not a done deal. Uh, I think it is... God's good plan for us. I think it's, I think it's green pastures uh, coming. Uh, so I, I have to be uh, bold in saying that, but I, I am sorry if, my, if sharing it that boldly has been unnerving for you. Secondly, I want to say that there is nothing in this decision that is me stepping back or stepping away. I have shared with you, and this is the first time I've preached for a while, that, that yes, I had become tired, I had become quite low, um, leading a church is hard work. I promise you it is not half as glamorous as you might think. And, and, 
And, and, and actually, I, I hope that I grow in, in the ability of recognising when I'm low. I think it will help me, uh, you know, persevere if I'm able to say, do you know what, I need help right now. Uh, I'm not doing as well as I would like to. And I probably, as I say, I need to grow in that because I probably uh, persevered with a weight that I wasn't carrying well for longer than I should have, and I probably asked for help too slowly. Um, but I'm not stepping away. I'm not stepping back. You know, uh, our, mine and Cheryl's hearts is for you guys. We love you guys, and we very much see our futures with you. I very much see my future being, uh, being in the leadership of Croydon Jubilee Church. The third thing I want to say, and this has been really encouraging for me, a number of you have fed back that you are not happy about me letting go of the lead eldership, that you want me to remain as the lead elder. But there's been a sense when, uh, 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 say, three or four people have fed that back to me that, that you're, you're worried it's like a demotion. And I just want to assure you, it, it absolutely is not. You know, I, I made it in the 80s. You know, that moment when I was a child and I made a decision to follow Christ... I made it then. You know, in that moment, I became a child of God, a friend of God, and a co-heir with Christ. I, gave, I was given access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Right now, I just happen to be in a role uh, that is, is different, but I am no more blessed now than I was that day in the 80s, and I have never been less blessed than I was that day in the 80s. And I just want to quickly share two stories with you that I think... Uh, speak a bit to what I think is happening in this shifting or this potential shifting. One is from uh, Bethel Church and one is from the Bible. Um, I, I, I can't remember whether it was when we visited Bethel uh, a few years ago or, or, or not, but I remember Chris Vallotton, who is on the senior leadership team there, speaking of a moment where he had a decision uh, to make. Should he lead a church himself? You know, there was an, kind of an open door to him to do that. Or should he serve Bill Johnson? And he felt God say to him in that moment, yeah, you, you do a good job. You'll, you'll, you'll lead a church. But actually, if you, if you serve Bill, if you work together, that you will, you will be a part of something more significant uh, for the, the kind of the impact of the kingdom of God in the world. Another story from Scripture. I'm I, 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 I thinking about Jonathan and David. You know, Jonathan was Saul's son. The kingdom would have been his. Or, you know, as soon as Saul died, Jonathan would have been king. But Jonathan saw what God was doing in David. He saw the calling. He saw the, uh, the, the, the character, the competency. Uh, and, and he delighted to, uh, to, to run with what uh, God had done. You know, Jonathan could have held out uh, for his position. You know, he might have been a better king than his father, but he saw what God was doing. There, there is nothing in me that is stepping backwards, that is being slighted, or anything like that. I, I'm stepping, I hope, to be stepping into a different role, but whether I'm lead elder or not, whether I'm an elder or not, I made it in the 80s. I am blessed beyond belief, as we all are. If we know Jesus, we are blessed more than anyone could possibly ever be if they don't know him. Uh, and, and so, don't don't feel bad for me. Be excited for uh, the kingdom of God. Be excited for what Jesus is trying to do in his church in Croydon. Uh, be full of faith uh, for those things. So I need to uh, get into today's message, really. Uh, we are uh, preaching through the book of Romans. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking today and I'm finishing next week. I'm going to be speaking on Romans 16 next week. 
And uh, my job's made a little bit easier this week because the first seven verses of this chapter, not only did John speak on in September when we did the series with Beulah Family Church, uh, but he also uh, covered some great ground last week. I, I, I thought that his message last week was absolutely fantastic. And, um, and so it means that I can leave that portion. Uh, it's been well covered recently, and I'm going to focus uh, on some of the other uh, parts of the passage. Um, I, and, yeah, let's read it. Let's read it. I'm going to read the whole chapter, even though I'm not going to preach on it uh, all. Um, if, but that, actually, no, that's a surprise to you, isn't it, Sam? I'll give you two seconds. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. I've been really excited to preach from this. My, my wife bought me this for my birthday in September. Uh, I'd been exclusively reading the ESV for over 10 years. And, and it's, like, it's been like coming to Scripture for the first time again, reading it in a, in a new translation. I'll talk about that a bit more in a moment. But I'm sure that Sam has got us sorted now, and I'm going to read. So uh, bear with me if you're uh, looking at a different translation. Uh, but I'm loving reading this at the moment, and I really want to read it to you from this today. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves, we should help others to do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives his patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it's written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place, Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well that you can teach each other all about them. Even so, I've been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder. For by God's grace, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God, yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. 
My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I've been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, those who have been told about him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching in these places. But now I have finished my work in these regions, and after all these long years of waiting, I am eager to visit you. I'm planning to go to Spain, and when I do, I will stop off in Rome, and after I have enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, having eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem, they were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem, they feel that the least they can do in return is to help them financially. As soon as I've delivered this money and completed this good deed of theirs, I will come to you on my way to Spain. I am sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me, given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I am taking to Jerusalem. Then, by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart, and we will be an encouragement to each other. And now, may God, who gives us his peace, be with you all. Amen. Amen. Before I get into, the, into what uh, the meat I feel God's called me to speak on, if, the, if this passage is, I just want to say almost as an aside, it was this time of year, last year, that I was encouraging you all to join me in reading through the Bible in 2020. And I have to be honest, in, out of the last seven or eight years that I have read through the Bible in one year, this has been uh, the year where I have uh, done the least well uh, in reading through the Bible in a year. And, and, and one of the reasons I think that is, is because I was trying to do the Alpha one. And, and every, every other time, apart from a couple that I've read through the Bible, I've, I've done a plan that, that I've prayed through, that I've prepared, that, that as I've kind of set my priorities for what I want to study through the year, uh, that I've followed a plan that I've made. So that's what I'm going to do again in 2021. But I want to encourage you, please do join me again. Whether you use the Alpha uh, one, as many of you did this year, whether you do, you know, Robert Murray McChaney's, whatever Bible reading plan you do, there are so many out there. I want to encourage you to read through the Bible in 2021. I love this verse uh, in the passage that we read today that says, for such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. You know, we, we don't approach the Bible like we approach our education. We're not just trying to consume information that we can regurgitate. When we come to the Word of God, the living Word, you know, we we are seeking to get to know our Father and our Lord. And so meet Him in His Word. Meet Him in His Scriptures. Let, Let the Bible be the thing that you read most in 2021. Let, let, you know, read it more than you even read Christian books. It will do you good. You will get to know God all the more. 
I, I, I said I was reading from the New Living Translation today. I'm really looking forward to reading through this. I've loved reading uh, from a different translation, and, and, and today's passage uh, is an example of why I've loved that. In, in the ESV, uh, Paul called people weak. Um, that's, that's, that sounds harsh. <laughs> in, in the New Living Translation, it says people who are a bit sensitive over these things. And that sounds much more conciliatory, doesn't it? That, that feels to me like that kind of, that's Paul's heart as he's talking to these two groups of people, whether weak or strong. We, we've got, I don't know what he says of the strong people, but people who are more sensitive about these things. It sounds much nicer. But equally, or conversely, I love it in the ESV that it talks about the God of, the God of hope and the God of endurance and encouragement. In the New Living Translation, it says the God who gives us uh, encouragement and patience and the God who is the source of all hope. And that's great, but I, I, I'm, I think it sounds more powerful that this is who God is. He is a God of hope. He is the God of endurance and encouragement. It's not just something he does, it's who he is. I, I exercise patience in the queue at Aldi. Endurance is a bit more than that. Endurance is a bit more than that. So I'm looking forward to reading the Bible again in 2021. I'm looking forward to doing a different translation. Why don't you ask yourself and pray about how it is that you want to encounter God in his word in 2021? With all that said, I suppose I need to turn to the passage that we're looking at today. Um, And as I say, John has covered the first seven verses, so I won't cover that. I want to look at what Paul goes on to say. Paul talks in this chapter about why Jesus came and about what he wants to do in response to Jesus' reasons for coming. And we read that Jesus came for two reasons. Firstly, Jesus came in in verse 8 as a servant to show the Jews that God is true to the promises that he made to their ancestors. And secondly, he came in verse 9 so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies. Jesus came because he is faithful and merciful. How wonderful is that? Jesus came because he is faithful and merciful. And as I said, in the same way that I said I was blessed in the 80s, as I, as I read that, I was reminded of, of that verse in 1 John that says, you know, how great is the love that God has lavished on us that we can be called children of God. And that is what we are. This is wonderful. This is why Jesus came. And it is such good news to us. And we are recipients of his great love and mercy. uh, And we praise him for it, don't we? We love to worship him. Jesus Christ, the promised, hoped-for Messiah, came to earth uh, because it has always been his plan that all people would be saved. That salvation was from the Jews, but not just for the Jews that we can all hope in him, we can all enter into a relationship with him. And he was as excited the day that you turned and believed in him as he was the day when the Holy Spirit spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But despite that being God's plan, and despite Paul being absolutely convinced that this is good news, it feels to me and I might be wrong, that it's as though Paul knows that he's still possibly talking to despondent Jewish Christians. And so when he reminds them that 
that this has always been God's plan, that Jesus came for the Gentiles as well as for the Jews, that he says to them, uh, he says to them, forgive me, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. It's like Paul is saying to them, look, don't worry, don't worry. You're, you're perplexed by God's plan in doing this. You, you can't see that it's a good idea. Let the Holy Spirit fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you can abound in hope and, and the knowledge that this plan that God has always had is good, that he will achieve it, that it will be amazing. And we, we read that, and, and one of the things we might be thinking is, yeah, I feel, this, I feel if that's how they felt, I feel similarly. I'm, I'm worried. You know, God has, God has made it his plan that he would continue to reach the Gentiles through me, through his church. That requires me to take stands for my faith. That requires me to uh, testify of God's glory and goodness, of his love, of the things that he's done in my life. And we can easily be afraid. We can easily uh, not see that it is God's good plan. We can easily doubt that when we step out in faith that God will be going ahead of us, that he'll be with us. And I think Paul says to us again, God says to us again, the good the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you can abound in hope. You can overflow with hope. You can believe that in every situation that God is working for good, that, that it will not always be the way that it is. Bernard shared a word as we prayed before the service today of, of a picture of uh, living under clouds and forgetting as we live under clouds that the sun is always shining above them. We can, we can be like that, can't we? We can forget that the sun is shining. We can live without hope. The Holy Spirit's work in us, one of the things that the Holy Spirit's work in us does is causes us to abound in hope. Abound in hope. To believe that every challenge and difficulty and seemingly dead situation will come to life and will come good because that's is who God is, that is what he does. And what I'm about to say, I, I don't say as a judgment of people with families or, or people with careers. I, 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 as I say what I'm about to say, I felt this too, this, this tension, this, this temptation, because I think we say, we say, no. Just like, just like the Jewish Christians might have done, no God, surely not. This can't be your best plan. You know, what about, what about my career? What about provision for my family? What about, what about the security that I have? What about the reputation uh, that, that is so important to me? And, and God wants us to abound in hope. You know, as he talks about going to the Gentiles, seeing churches established, you know, he said that that was, that was the work he was about. That was why he couldn't visit the church in Rome. He was busy establishing churches because when churches are established, it's like, a, I mean, I love what, uh, what Bueller have called Forestdale. They've called it, a la, you know, a lighthouse. Uh, they, they had a prophetic word about a lamppost, uh, it, you know, lighting an area. When a church is established, it, it's a stake in the ground. 
And from that stake in the ground, light goes out into the communities around it. It goes out from you to your workplaces and your families and your streets. And so we can, we can be fearful and we can say, God, I'm, I'm, I don't see that call on my life. I'm, I'll be faithful in the little things, but I'm, I'm not going to go. You know, someone else is called to that. I'll pray for the missionaries that goes to those, go to those far-flung places. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll even give to them, but, but I'm not called to go. Do you know, brothers and sisters, you absolutely are called to go. Whether you're called to stay and build or whether you're called to go and build, you are called to build the kingdom of God. To bear fruit. To bear fruit that will last. Do you know, I truly believe with all of my heart that God has predestined people to believe in him as a result of our testimony. I believe that we will see it here at Jubilee. That we will see people who have heard the good news turning and believing in Jesus, entering into relationship with him, having their lives transformed and being added to our fellowship because of your testimonies. I really believe that when we step out in faith, when we speak words in faith that God goes with us, that he's working in the world, that he desires far more than we do, uh, that many people would come to him. We had a vision for seven congregations you know, it was such a good vision. It is such a good vision. It's a vision that is worthy of Jesus. It's an endeavor that is worth giving our lives to. It will have eternal consequences and eternal significance. It is so good. We mustn't, we mustn't forget that Jesus said that whoever uh, finds his life will lose it. But whoever loses it for his sake will find it. So, brothers and sisters, you may never plant a church in Mongolia. You may never even go to Pearly. But you can build the kingdom of God where you are. You can build the kingdom of God here. Your small acts of faithfulness, as insignificant as they may seem to you, are not insignificant. They are hugely significant. One of the things that that we feel that God is calling us to in this partnership that we're looking at is that we would see congregations established across Croydon. You know, there are places in Croydon where you will struggle to walk to a church that believes the Bible and loves the Holy Spirit. There are places in Croydon where you will struggle to walk to a church where those things are true. And that grieves me. And for the sake of the people who live there, And for the sake of Jesus' name, I want to see congregations established in those places. I want to set stakes in the ground and say, no, we worship the Lord. Come and join us worshipping him too. Knowing him is better than life. We we can't say that because there are 200-year-old church buildings in certain places that we don't need to go there. We can't say, no, I'm not going to build where someone else has built. You know, we we live in a post-Christian society, don't we? Those buildings often don't, they don't don't put my mind at rest so much as I wish they did. I don't go, thank God, that church is there. 
I, 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 I almost lament that I'm not seeing more new church buildings, that, that what we have is a legacy of, of something that was happening hundreds of years ago. And I wonder, you know, I wonder if, if John Wesley was still alive, would he be happy with how many Methodist churches there were in Croydon, or would he still be saying, no, let's plant more? Let's plant more. There are still people that don't know Jesus. There are still people that don't know him. Let's go to them. Let's establish some work so that we can reach out to them better. Or if William Booth were still alive, would there be enough Salvation Army chapels? I don't think he would feel that there were. I think he would look at the scale of the task still to be done. That there are still so many people in Croydon who barely even have a child's understanding, well, that's not that's a bad thing, you know, that don't know why Jesus came, that don't know what his heart is for them, that don't know what his plan for their lives would be, and that it is better than anything that they would read. And so I want to call you today, Croydon Jubilee Church, to do what the prophet Isaiah did, to pray the prayer that the prophet Isaiah prayed And I want to ask you to to say these words, and you don't have to say it now, but here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. And I want to ask you today to not be afraid to pray that prayer. Don't second guess what it will mean. Don't worry about the implications of that for your life for your career, for your family, for where you will live. Don't worry about it. God is good. He is the God of hope. He's the God of encouragement and endurance. And he, he, he wants to reach the world through you. So I want to encourage you, please pray that prayer. I'm reminded of a sermon that uh, John brought a few, maybe two years ago, when we, well, maybe last year, I think we were going through Mark, and he spoke on the feeding of the 5,000, and he talked about the boy that had the, the small loaf and the two fishes, and how that boy could have, could have looked at it and gone, there is no way this will feed all these people, and if I give it to them, we'll all just die, let me keep it and I'll be fine. But he entrusted it to Jesus, and Jesus did a wonderful thing with it. Brothers and sisters, you have to know that that small thing that you bring, if you think it's small, can have huge significance in the hands of Jesus. And so we must trust our lives to him. We must trust our families to him, our careers to him, our security to him, our reputation to him. We must trust everything to him, knowing he's good, knowing he's faithful, knowing that that is why he came. To, to, to show his faithfulness, his promise-keeping faithfulness, and to call Gentiles to worship him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have called us to yourself. Lord, I thank you that all of us, though we were once dead in our sins, that now we are alive in Christ Jesus. That, Lord, once we were enemies to you in our hearts, Uh, that now, uh, Jesus, uh, we uh, can be called friends of God. And Lord, we say that we are blessed more than we deserve. Lord, we don't deserve any blessing. (laughs) Lord, but you lavish your love on us. You lavish your blessing over us. 
And Lord, we delight to be your children. And Lord, we don't want to, we don't want to become a holy huddle. We don't want to become inward looking. We want to see your kingdom advance. Lord, we want to see more and more people's lives changed and transformed by entering into a relationship with you. So Lord, would you encourage us? Lord, I pray for open doors to speak words of life to people this week. Perhaps not explicitly sharing the gospel, but being salt and light. Lord, I pray that you would make us a blessing to one another, Lord, and to the world around us, to our streets, our workplaces, our families. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in us today? Fill us and encourage us. Lord, speak to us about your great pleasure in the small things that we bring. Lord, give us confidence by your Holy Spirit to endure and to have hope in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen.